Listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. The following podcast contains adult language, adult situations, and spoilers for the movie discussed occur often. You've been warned. Now, take it away, Dr. Rausch. They must be destroyed on sight. Welcome to They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 305, and I'm your host, Lee, like some little old banty rooster, Russell, and I am joined by my guest host, Vaughn. You got the depression where you come from, Kuhlmeyer? <laughs> doing, doing good. I'm doing good. How you doing? Excellent, excellent. Awesome. Uh, thanks, thanks for coming on. Like I was telling him off off the uh, air, he saved the podcast tonight. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, it was good. It was good to watch these films. Like I told you, I never seen them before, so it was kind of nice to do something different. And uh, yeah, and I was like, I was like, all right, let's do it. Awesome. So yeah, been wanting to get you on anyway for for yeah. Luana, So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, we're doing we're doing uh, two exploitation films and like really early examples of exploitation really i think you know the yeah in, in the way most people kind of think of those films because you know you got all you got all your like peak period exploitation stuff from the 70s like sure. county line and all kinds of shit like that and mm-hmm. these are kind of like the proto versions of those yeah um, definitely yeah so we're doing uh mud honey from 1965 and then we're going to do a girl on a chain gang from 1966 two films that in some ways are similar and in other ways could not be more dissimilar i yeah. think <laughs> definitely definitely yeah uh but before we get into that stuff i do have a little bit of housekeeping to do here so um constant uh commenter and uh, listener uh, chronovore sent me an email a little while back about our 300th episode um Congratulations on breaking 300. Also, no worries. I wasn't offended. And in that case, he, he's talking about how we uh, we kind of shit on National Lampoon's uh, school trip or whatever. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know we, we did, he he was kind of excited for us to review it, but we didn't. Wow. We we're not too fond of it. But um, 
it was better than when I recommended A Virgin Among the Living Dead, and you and Daniel both watched different versions, and neither was the good version. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, yeah, at least, at least you know that film only has one version. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of good versions, The Devil's Nightmare from 1971 got an excellent uncut Blu-ray release uh, right before the pandemic. If Lee wants to continue her tour of Europe, this historical gem from Belgium has never looked better. The English dub has its quirks, but there is an interesting story and beautiful women. Yeah. Um, and, he's, and he says, I don't know how well your OnlyFans is doing, but uh, let me know if I can pick this one up for you. Um, God. Uh, and right around the same time, I mentioned that I had actually done it on a screening recently and that we're probably going to do it at some point on the podcast. And so he got back to us after that. Uh, so glad you like this one. It's a real gym that a lot a lot of people still haven't seen. Um, and I said, yeah, it was just a coincidence that you happened to bring it up just as we were bringing it up, basically. Yeah. And he says, uh, amazing. Offer still stands. If you want a donation to help cover the excellent physical media release for a full review... It never looked better. Also, this is another one with several previous releases, some more complete than others. Just tell me what and where to send it. I really appreciate the offer, but I, I usually feel pretty bad about uh, getting uh, sent uh, free stuff or having stuff bought for me just just for the <laughs> podcast. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little shaky with that, but I do really appreciate that uh, that offer, man. That's very, very nice of you. Um, I, I have, I have the rip of of that blu-ray so uh that won't be a problem but uh i really do appreciate the offer though thank you very much that's awesome uh, yeah so yeah we can get into what we watched in the last little while Vaughn. so uh, right. i'll i'll throw over to you first okay so i have two things um the first one is a trailer recompilation compilation called color correct my cock from 2012 <laughs> um yeah and the title is just <laughs> fucking great um and i and i i it's what it is is it's from the vagrancy guys in Canada. Um, they submitted this trailer reel comp to another company, and they kind of got like a rejection letter back, like thanking them for doing it. But the fact that it was, you know, it was like really mismatch. Um, kind of everything was like, you know, nothing was done properly, and the end of it was like pretty much, you know, if you guys color corrected it and resubmitted it, we might take it. Hmm. And uh, so they kind of took it as a as a ploy to kind of you know release it on their own. Um, and it's like a 90 minute trailer comp, um, but it's not like in the normal vein of a trailer comp. Um, so like normal trailer comps are kind of like trailer, 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 maybe yeah. intermission pieces in the middle. This one kind of, it feels like as if like a deranged projectionist just kind of put shit together that he took from different films. Okay. Um, so there's like a full trailer and then like intercut would be like a piece of an, uh, an intermission intercut with a piece of a porno film, mm. uh, intercut with another piece of an intermission maybe half a trailer if like they only had like a third of it um some foreign language stuff this that, and the other just kind of a weird weird like mismatch of shit right and it just kind of yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the things i put on the on the tv on the tv kind of just cleaning and stuff like that and i just constantly look up and go oh and i live with my parents so it's kind of a weird thing to have it's playing in the living room and i was kind of happy that my parents weren't home because it cuts from like you know a kid like the uh, the amazing dobermans which is one of these like 70s kind of animal um adventure films okay um, to a full blown scene of of a, of of you know copulation going on <laughs> to like a, a like a, an ad for like hot dogs it's like you know so and that and it keeps flicking back and forth like it'll it'll have like german porno a- ads 
Um, oh. And this full, you know, full like twenty, like two or three minutes of a, of a German porno or a Swedish porno, and like cuts back and forth into weird commercial, into weird ads, and you know, intermission stuff. And so I was like, I was kind of really like, oh shit, what the fuck? I wasn't didn't know what I was expecting, but from the title, I should have had a good idea of what the what the whole thing was. But it, it was a good time. Um, hmm. I know they so, put out like what. I was just gonna say, it, it sounds like you know, like if if you had like a an editor's room or whatever back in the seventies or something, and like this yeah. is all just the stuff they the, the, like the stuff they trimmed off the ends of things, and, and yeah, pretty and, much. And it, it was it was really fun to kind of say I, I like those things like it's like it's like a day where I'm just sitting around doing nothing mm-hmm. or I'm working on something else, and like I just put it on. I have a couple of them, um, and I got this one was on um, Cult Picks, which is another streaming service. Okay. Which yeah. yeah, which, and it's just like they kind of, you know, you know, you, I've been using their site for a while now, and now they start suggesting things it's like, oh, this came up this week. Why don't you try this? Like, oh, okay. Um, and I know they put out like a physical release back in was it 2015 when it when it originally was released, but it kind of sold out super quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was kind of nice to have like a streaming service actually have the balls to put that out like as a good as a decent as a decent nice release. And I'm watching it on the big on my on my my parents' big TV. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was it was fun. It's just I wasn't expecting anything because it was like, oh shit, <laughs> all right, this is awesome. And like the trailers are stuff that I'd never seen before. Um, so it was kind of that was another kind of good thing because a lot of those trailer comps are like, oh yeah, like they kind of repeat a lot of the trailers. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's like oh, uh, blood sucking freaks. Yeah, for the fourteenth time. Yeah, yeah. A, <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. Um, and then the other thing I watched was uh, John Carpenter's Suburban Screams. Um, this is on Peacock. Oh, right. That's ser- yeah, that show. Yeah, it came out like October of last year. Like we were we had not, we were just kind of digging through Peacock one night. And we we're like, yeah, what's this? Um, and it's not really as it's not like I don't remember what I remember people talking about. Like, oh, John Carpenter's producing this new program and stuff like that. And he was pr- he was directing one of the uh, episodes. Uh, when back when it came out, but I never heard anybody actually talk about the show itself. So we watched the whole thing. It's about six episodes, and okay. it's um, it's a it's a true it's a true crime kind of um story um docu series. Okay. Um, and, and like it's supposed to be take it's supposed to be f- real stories, but like I, I as we were watching, I started digging online about about it and finding how it was kind of based on true things. Like the first the first episodes about a guy who messes with a Ouija board with his girlfriend and his roommate. And this girl comes and they start, you know, pretty much like, har- like harassing him to kind of try to find him. It's like, ah, okay. Ouija board shit. Fine. I guess. Yeah. Um, there was one about a serial killer in Canada. I can't remember his fucking name now. Um, Cause it was like, it was, it was the only one that felt true because it was like, about this killer who kind of like, he killed somebody. He got caught. He um made like you know he 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 like screwed up something in his ear so he had to keep going to the infirmary. He got broke out through the infirmary and he was on the lam for like six months in this small Canadian town in uh, New Brunswick. Um and oh um yeah 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 uh Legere, right? yeah that's it that's yeah. it yeah that's it. Um and he was like he was he was AWOL for like six months but he was still killing people mm-hmm. <laughs> and like yep. and like burning ch- burning like burning churches and ki- and the killing the priest and he killed a bunch of old people and he was brazen he was like he killed like a, the the one woman who who lived down the street from the damn freaking police station like, yeah, like yeah. he was like just insanely brazen the only reason he got caught was because it started getting cold 
in like 86 when this happened. Mm -hmm. And like it was like the first really bad snowstorm. And he just, I guess he wasn't really dressed for the winter. Yeah. <laughs> and that ultimately that's how he found him. Like he was like hiding out in like the, in the, in the, uh, like in the, um, like, um, the, the uh, poor and internment camps, like on the, you know, on the ridges of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, and I guess the cops just didn't think of going into those places, kind of in hearing and fucking with those people. And he just, you know, he just got caught again. And like, it was kind of from the, the venue of the, the original reporters who were writing about this, about him and mm-hmm. kind of got him in trouble to begin with, got him arrested the f- this first time. Yeah. And he actually went and actually tried to, um, like burn the house of the original reporter's house down at one mm-hmm. point while he was on the lam, yep. <laughs> like as a, as I kind of like fuck you to him, like you don't keep fucking doing. They, but they kept doing stories to kind of keep it out there, and the fact that the t- to the point that the town was pretty much at sundown, pretty much everybody stayed in the house, like no one mm-hmm. going out. It was like it was not like the town was quarantined or like they put a martial law on, like by the cops. Just the town kind of was so scared of this guy running around that they all like pretty much did not go out after like after sundown i was like holy shit also to be fair yeah. uh new brunswick and nova scotia mm-hmm. especially back then were still yeah. very rural very yeah very it, rural. it seemed like that yeah yeah like so they, like it, it, it was easier to like make yourself scarce in the province right. back then yeah and and also uh Big time small town mentality in the maritime in those two maritime provinces. Sure, uh, where like even today, this town shuts down at like ten o'clock at night. Oh yeah, so, I totally understand yeah. that. And, like, it's it's just it's so and like and I I don't I don't I don't I'm not saying anything against it. It's totally understandable. The guys the mm-hmm. guys out there roaming around for six months. Oh yeah, he was cops, crazy. Yeah, and it was just. Yeah. And he and he would kill people that were you know definitely like you know older people and stuff like that. So people who really didn't, couldn't have any way of like defending themselves. Um, and it was just like okay, but it, like he was yeah he was brazen. He'd kill them and then burn their houses down. It's like fuck. <laughs> like yeah, and, yeah. He, and he yeah and he was just a, and he was a prick the whole time. And the the whole story is kind of like I said it was from the view of the reporters. And the reporters are so like happy about this. And then we made a comment. It's like they would they you know when he got caught they put this big picture of him with the word caught. Uh, when he escaped, they put the same stupid picture with the word escape. Yeah. And it's like, and they were so, they were so like proud of that. And it's like, okay, this is definitely like smaller town. Like, you know, we like, rarely get serial killers. Yeah. We rarely get anything. Like the biggest <laughs> thing we get is like a fucking, you know, a cat causes a car accident in the middle town yes. or something like that. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> we were kind of laughing about that, but then I was like, oh, okay, it makes more sense. Uh, and then like, there's two like kind of like, Amityville type stories where it's like a haunted house or a haunted object. Um, and they were kind of based on true occurrences. Uh, and then yeah. the last one was the last one Carpenter directed and you can tell it was Carpenter cause it, he definitely kind of does his thing. Um, mm-hmm. and it's about a woman who keeps getting, um, she, she just one day she starts getting like, like, um, anonymous phone calls and they're threatening and they're fucking, uh, and then they start sending her pictures and they start sending a video from inside her house or video from outside her house and like it just gets really really brazen and they go cut back and forth to the person that they're, they're who's telling the story of this woman mm-hmm. um and there's just <laughs> and it's not like it wasn't a huge production um there's a scene in the in it where where this guy sends a picture of his dick and, and they show it on 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 the thing because this is a screaming service they can get away with it and it's clearly a dildo <laughs> And but it's supposed to be like in your you don't mind that the guy you know took a p- dick pic and sent it to her, but 
but it's so like so silly looking. I'm like, <laughs> but it's like you have to give it that like John because it was John was one of the executive ugh, executive producers, and then his Sandy King, who was like one of his long term uh, producers for like the late era stuff, the '90s stuff. I think like oh yeah um, yeah 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 like so she was in there as one of the producers. Uh, and like it feels like they had that Legere one written down first because that seemed like the most kind of like clearly like a you know crime you know true crime related thing and then the rest of them they kind of worked around it like that was like the one they shot yeah. first as like a concept and say hey this is what we're gonna do we got John to produce we're gonna actually have him do one of the film- the episodes but we've shot this one first um, and then they kind of worked around that and kind of put that in the center of the six episodes it wasn't bad like. If you like mm-hmm. kind of true crime stuff like that, um, it's definitely cheaper than most true crime stuff I've seen. Yeah, um, but it wasn't it wasn't too bad, you know. And, and it's you know, I was just kind of like we, we just kind of like trying to fill t- like fill up space because we're like in the middle of watching stuff because like we'll pick a show and we're like, all right, we'll wait until the season's over, like in the and then we'll just binge it over a couple of days. That's how I do it usually. Yeah. yeah. So. But- but yeah, we yeah, were so- kind of. I was digging around. I put John Carpenter thing looking for stuff, and because she wanted to watch a movie, I was like, "Oh, you know, I heard about this. Like, like why don't we check it out?" Mm-hmm. Um, so we weren't particularly disappointed, but we weren't like, you know, like the whole. It was like one night shot because it's like six one hour episodes. So, right, yeah, yeah. No, uh, actually, I'll, I probably will uh, check out that Legere episode. Just- yeah, that was that was probably the best one out of all of them, and I think, and I think it's because it's just such a it's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, because just like looking into, and then like I looked into it online, and you can definitely when you read the story, the story online about like the history of him and everything like that it's like wow, it's like they 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 pretty much gave you everything, but it's like just reading more in depth, like because it kind of footnotes, you know, version of it. You got to oh, fill yeah. sixty minutes. I can't do a whole damn thing, but like it was, I'm like I'm like holy shit, how much of a fucking like just brazen fuck that he that you have to be to. Just like yeah, the small little town. Like let's terrorize everybody in this small little town. Like fuck. Honestly, know. most most of our notorious serial killers, like mm-hmm. we we just historically don't know how to handle them because we just don't get them a lot. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, any, anything else, Vaughn? No, that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. Um, I'll just mention a few things. Uh, so I've been. And I didn't plan this, but okay. it, it just it just it just worked out this way that it was like, oh, I'm going to show some black exploitation films to my friends and on <laughs> streaming right. nights. Sure. And it's like, oh wait, it's Black History Month. Well, I back ended into that really well. That's good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this past weekend, I uh, showed them um, Friday Foster, okay. which is a Pam Greer vehicle. Sure. That uh, from '75. Uh, it's got Yapit Koto in it, playing yeah. a detective who helps her. Oh, you've seen this, have you? It's been a while, but yeah, I have seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, r- real fun. Just like a lot of great actors, and like the story's paper thin. It's a, like a conspiracy plot thing where she gets yeah. photographs of uh, Carl Weathers, uh, rest in peace, uh, doing an assassination on the richest black man in America. And uh, it's kind of funny because um, this is from Arthur Marks, who also did Bucktown. On the, in the same year, and yeah. like in one scene, Carl Weathers wears the exact same fucking red jacket that he wears in Bucktown, like this red tweed 
thing that he <laughs> that he's wearing. Um, yeah. But Carl, yeah, but Carl Weathers like no, he's totally silent in this film. He's just like this menacing huh. like he's almost Michael Myers in a way. Like wow. he's this menacing killer who stalks Pam Greer, right? And yeah. and Pam Greer is like she's playing kind of a different character here. She's not playing like Coffee or Foxy Brown. She's playing more of like a plucky reporter gal kind of thing hmm. who gets in, in over her head all the time. And but she's not afraid of danger. She keeps like getting into situations and then like managing to fight her way out. Um like at one point at one point she starts chasing Carl Weathers, who's been like tailing her to try to kill her for half the movie. Wow. Um and uh also, you know. Pam Greer. This is mid seventies. Pam Greer. She gets naked a lot in this film. <laughs> she fucks every lead male that she encounters in this film. Basically, uh, at the end, it's implied she has a three way with uh, two of the main leads, and Jeez. then at the very end, she you know she throws uh, Yapakoto a bone as well. It's like hey, after afterwards we're gonna fuck. Um, <laughs> I, I I just found it like brazen and fucking hilarious. Like it was, it's it's just, and I don't think a lot of people know about this one. So it's like it's one of those kind of hidden gems in the black exploitation. Uh, oh yeah, genre. definitely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one I showed them was a Black Caesar, of course, and the Larry Cohen picture. Famously, you know, Larry Cohen, guerrilla filmmaker. So it's like a lot of his shots on New York streets is like we got no permits. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like. You see all the people like looking at the camera, looking at the actors, like noticeably doing that. And usually it can be a little distracting, but I found like it kind of works in this film because there's that whole sequence where uh, Fred Williams uh, Williamson is like running down the sidewalk, bleeding out from a gunshot wound to the gut. Okay. And there's all these white people on the sidewalk and a lot of them are just kind of like, they're not sure what to think. Oh yeah, but so. it looks like it looks like that. You know, it kind of looks like some of them kind of think, "Oh, maybe this is real," and they want <laughs> nothing to do with it. So yeah. there's like a there's a neat little kind of meta commentary there that I don't think Larry Cohn intended, where it's just like no. these white people are going to let this black guy die right on the fucking. Oh yeah, block. yeah, definitely. No, uh, but I, I will say it's like a lot of people kind of cite this as one of the best black exploitation films ever made. I think it's actually mm. not as good as people say it is. Sure. Um, Cause it's very just jumps around to scene to scene. Like, it, like this is a film that deserved to be like a, a good, like two hours so they could flesh things out. But yeah. the way Larry Cohen shot and you know, he's like, there's just no fat on this at all. Oh no. It's just like scene to scene to scene. It, like it makes very little sense. It's like, you're, you're very much like, wait, wait, what's going on now? What year is this? What's happening here? <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's his dad all of a sudden. What the fuck is it? Oh, his mom's dead just off screen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird film. I, I you, you're talking about, it just kind of makes me remember certain things and it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I, and then I, of course, I, I was just going to say, then of course they retconned his death at the end of it for the <laughs> sequel. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I prefer what, Bone out of like the films he did, mm -hmm. like, black exploitation stuff, because I think that movie's such a like tight little flick, um, and it's like, yeah, but all his films, anything he shot in New York, it's like he never did any con, he didn't never did any like went out to pay work because like the cops didn't give a shit. Like then he pretty much you know they'd go up to him like, hey, we're doing this. Would you guys you know 
you know, do you guys, you know, don't fuck with, you know, we won't fuck with you. We don't like, cause it was a Q the wing serpent. They're shooting like live guns um, oh, like, yeah. out into the, out into the, out in the air. And they're getting calls from the cops. Like what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah. And he did what he did Q in what, like 18 days or something yeah, like something that. Crazy like that. It's fucking nuts, man. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And so it's like, or like, even like, was it God told me to, he like went into mm-hmm. the uh, St. Patrick's day parade and like, you know, with Andy Kaufman. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Was, and the cops are all fine with it. It's, it's like okay, cool. Yeah, and that and that's a film about people yeah. sniping after they hear a voice from God, apparently. Yeah, and even and in like, that scene, it's you, know, you have the Andy Kaufman character in, in a in a police uniform trying to shoot the mayor or some shit mm-hmm. like that. I'm like, oh, Christ. Yeah. It's like, okay. That yeah. shit just would not fly today at all. Oh yeah, definitely, no. definitely, definitely. Fuck no. Oh my god. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Black Caesar. It, I, I still think it's a good movie. Like, I, I think it's just yeah. more on the merits of like the cast is really good and Larry Cohn's directing it. If anyone else had done this, it probably would have sucked. Like, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only the only other couple things I'll mention. Um, so my last co- last call at Torchy's podcast where we cover sure. the films of Wal- Walter Hill. We're back. Uh, Gary finally got around to uh, editing the last two episodes that we did. So uh, they're up. Uh, we we just covered uh, Wild Bill from 1995. Cool. And of course, we always pair something on the Patreon episodes. If you want to join the Legion Patreon, uh, I paired the Shootist from John Wayne for that one. So I, I, I thought that was a pretty good pairing of t- you know two gunfighters in their dying days kind of thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a cool film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and also, I don't know when this is coming out. I assume it's going to be this month at some point. Um, I had a guest spot on Movie Melt, and oh. uh, yeah, and this will be for their Patreon episode. So if you're on their Patreon, you'll hear this. Kanjite uh, Forbidden Subjects from 1989, the uh, oh. Charles Bronson quote unquote classic. <laughs> yeah, quote unquote God. Yeah, the probably one of the most offensive films at the time ever made. Uh, like <laughs> pretty transgressive for 1989. Where, yeah just like racist as fuck charles bronson doesn't give two shits like nope. he's just kind of in it <laughs> getting a paycheck um the, it goes places though and we had a fun conversation uh, uh talking about it i was also going to be on their mr majestic episode which is the regular episode but i i've been just having like a shitty confused personal life and i fucked up which movie i was supposed to watch for what day and i was like oh shit oh no <laughs> Oh no! Yeah. Oh well. But the you know, yeah. we, uh, honestly, Kanjite is the more fun one. The sure. fun because Mr. Majestic's a legit great film. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they picked that film. I don't know either. It's like yeah, the, I, I was surprised. So I, I wasn't too bummed out that I missed on that one. So yeah, definitely. Because that's like when the grind bin gets a good film. It's like why are we even talking about this? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, occasionally, like, I, like the I did an episode with them. It's hopefully coming out before fucking next September. Mm-hmm. Um, on Sunny Boy, the uh, yeah, we were we were both yeah. on that. Remember? Yeah, and I, I, yeah, yes. Um, and that's a great film. And I, mm-hmm. well, I picked it, so it makes sense. Um, but yeah, they, they sometimes you get like these podcasts where it's like, yeah, we're just gonna like you know we find the faults and the funny out of all these things, and they pick something really spectacular, and you're like. Okay, let's see if let's see what they if they don't completely flim this up. <laughs> like, yeah, all right, yeah. Sunny Boy is is a unique one though because it, sure. it it's so off 
yeah filter like it, it's so not a, a mainstream movie mm. but it's le- it's legit great but at the same time like so weird that you can you know rip on it a little bit because of sure. the weird choices but you know at the same time it's like and then and, and that's the best like that's kind of the best possible like bring a good movie to the grind bin is bring one like sunny boy yeah definitely mm-hmm. yeah uh all right so we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about mud honey from 1965 and uh this is generally what i tell our listeners at this point you know in case they're a little checked out wait a minute you dumb horse you forgot your money <laughs> you ungodly warlock Motion Picture Massacre. Fuck you. We talk about exploitation movies, grindhouse movies, fucking cult movies, horror movies, okay? We don't talk about fucking romantic comedies over here. We're not talking about fucking Sandra Bullock or some shit. We're talking about good movies, the kind that people like to watch. Yes! You ungodly warlock. You replaced my brain and I loved you just the same. You replaced my heart and tore it all apart. But you can't whip my soul, baby. It doesn't belong to you. I found somebody new, someone kind of true. So Mud Honey from 1965. And by the way, I'm not going to play the trailers live while we're recording here like I usually do because the trailers for both movies are like three and a half minutes long each. (laughs) Well, different time period, you know. They have to fucking fill all that shit in. Yeah, so I'm I'm just going to plug them in. So trailer will be here. Hannah. Are you jealous? Stop it! You're yelling me, B! Why don't you and me go to the other room? Maybe I don't want to. Maybe we're going to have a good time. Oh, that's it, Hannah. Fight me. It's much better when you fight me. You give it so good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to sex. You have just witnessed some scenes from Russ Meyer's sadistically sensual motion picture, Mud Honey. 
A Taste of Evil, heralding the return of incredibly voluptuous Lorna Maitland to the motion picture screen. Good customer, why I give him the look for free. Mudhoney, savor a slice of raw life that runs deep with the flavor of evil. Flesh women carrying on is what they's doing. Never realized before, but you got almost as much as your sister. Your whole town knows you and shine laughter like a round dog rut treason. Like the good book says, love one another. Oh, I'm for that, Brother Hanson. But anything else is one dollar cash money, Mr. Brinshaw. Well, now you take that caliph and the way he's been playing up to my hand. Adultery. Go on home to that wife of yours for a change. Don't know why you come around here buying it anyway. You got more at home than a man can handle. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Maybe he can't handle it. Go on, Brother Hanson. Take her in the other room and give her some. Salvation. I can pray for right here. Honey man, there's only one kind of suit that's right for Severin. And that's your <laughs> Mud Honey presents to the screen four of the world's most voluptuous women. Bosomy Lorna Maitland, undulating and vivacious. Statuesque Raina Horton, primitive and predatory. Dusky Lee Ballard, earthy and wanton. Antoinette Christiani, basic and unfulfilled. All caught in the merciless coils of primitive passion and raw emotion. can influence your very life. A rewarding experience that you shall never forget. It's rival humor. It's graphic revelation of love, lust, passion, and sadistic violence surpasses unquestionably any depiction heretofore presented to the motion picture screen. For a taste of evil, see Mud Honey. <laughs> Mud Honey from 1965, a.k.a. Rope of Flesh. Or uh, mud honey leaves a taste of evil. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Rope of flesh. That sounds fucking rough. Rope of <laughs> flesh is like, yeah, I don't know what that. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, this is directed by Russ Meyer, of course. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Written by Raymond Friday Locke, who this is taken from his novel Streets Paved with Gold. Yeah. Uh, we also got Billy Sprague here writing. He wrote the screenplay for Motorcycle, and he was uh, more credited to the music department um, for films like Chrome and Hot Leather and Chain Gang Women from 1971. Oof, lovely. Yeah. So he was just doing a bunch of smutty stuff, I guess. And you know, if mm-hmm. you run in the same circles as Russ Meyer, you get a job. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is starring Hal Hopper as Sidney Brin- Brinshaw. 32 acting credits, uh, mostly a TV actor, and he also did music for TV on a bunch of like uh, uh, Western TV series. Like he was sure. on Judge, Judge Roy Bean, Maverick. Um, some of the movies he was in, uh, we've covered him. He was in uh, Kitten with a Whip, 
yeah. uh, a while back. And he did a couple of other uh, Corman, or I mean, Russ Meyer films, yeah. uh, Lorna and Motorcycle. Uh, but in, in Motorcycle's case, he didn't act. He just wrote on Motorcycle, apparently. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess he he died really early, like age 57. He looks like 70 in this movie. Almost. I know. Yeah, it's like, holy yeah. shit. Um, we got Antoine Canet, uh, Antoinette Cristiani. Yep. As Hannah Brinshaw, she literally has no other credits. She's just like a really pretty face with a great body. And, and, that... it, and it just amazes me that she made no other films because she actually, her performance in this film was really she, good. She's really good too. Yeah, yeah. It's just like maybe she changed her name and it's yeah, just well buried because, you know, every once in a while, IMDb does not catch these things. Mm, but, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we got John Furlong as uh, Caliph McKinney. Uh, 95 credits. He uh, he also worked a lot with uh, Meyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Faster Pussycat, Kill Kill, Common Law Cabin, Finders Keepers, Lovers Weepers, which is one <laughs> I need to see. I've never. I, I, I that somehow hit a blind spot for me with uh, yeah. Meyer. So yeah, I hear you there. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, he was also in Vixen, Super Vixens, and Beneath the Valley of the Ultra Vixens. But then right. he went on to have an even you know longer career in all kinds of stuff. He popped up in things like Wyatt Earp and uh, speaking of John Carpenter, John Carpenter's Vampires. Yeah, so, I saw that on the CV and I was like, whoa, okay, cool. I don't uh, even remember. I haven't seen that movie in forever, so I got to rewatch yeah, it now. I like it. I think it holds up actually. It's kind of fun. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has the distinction of the being the guy who dubbed in place of Russ Meyer for all his uh, dialogue in any movie that Russ Meyer appeared in. Yeah. Which is weird. I don't know why that would be a thing because I don't think Russ Meyer necessarily had a non film conducive voice, but no, maybe it's just too busy editing and directing three films a year. So I was like, so what are you doing? And you want to help me out with this (laughs) too, too too busy having titties, the motorboat, I think. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, we got Stuart Lancaster as Loot Wade. Uh, he was in s- some uh, other exploitation stuff like The Born Losers, The Exceeds mm-hmm. of Women, God Monster of Indian Flats. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, good Morning and Goodbye. And then, of course, he did a bunch of Russ, My- uh, Russ Meyer stuff Faster Pussycat. Super Vixens, Beneath the Valley, the Ultra Vixens. Uh, then he went on to, another guy to went on to have a big, long career, uh, popped up and stuff like The Naked Gun. Yep. Um, and even got acquainted with, uh, uh, what's, his, what's his fucking name? Uh, why am I blanking on this fucker's name? Batman Burton. Returns, Edwards. Yeah, Burton, Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you. Uh, yeah, Batman Returns is like he's the Penguin's doctor or something. And uh, yeah, like okay, mm-hmm. yeah, and then he's in Edward Scissorhands. So yep. there you go. We got Rena Horton as Eula. Um, yep. She did a couple things here and there. She she was in Fanny Hill mem- memoirs of a woman of pleasure, mm-hmm. and she popped up in Out of Sight from 1966, which is apparently like a kind of a. Um, I think it's kind of a spy parody, but at the same time, kind of like a mishmash of uh, like English rock bands at the time too. In it, sure. it's it's a weird thing that I kind of want to check out. Um, she didn't have a big career; like she she also popped up in some TV stuff. Like had, people say, known for Mission Impossible, she did one episode. Like I, I yeah. don't know. Yeah, okay. Um, Princess Livingston as Maggie Marie. 
Yeah. Uh, she, she just did a bunch of Russ Meyer stuff, basically. Wild Gals of the Naked West. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heavenly Bodies, Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, and popped up in the uh, exploitation film The Unholy Rollers by the end of her career. And uh, th- yeah, this is this is the woman with the this is the old woman with the uh, weird the face. no teeth. Yeah, with the f- yeah yeah. No, yeah. She makes some great fucking faces. And honestly, she also popped up in the uh, Puff and Stuff film. Oh okay. Um, which um, I was I saw that and I was like, oh okay. I have to now rewatch that to see where the hell she is in that film. Yeah. Um, but this is this is like one of these classic things Russ Meyer would do, where he'd get these people of interesting faces or whatever, and they just mm-hmm. become like stock characters he'd use over and over again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and uh, I, I guess she was like like a long time. Now, why am I fucking blanking on this too? Uh, vaudeville. She was yeah. an old time vaudeville performer. So yeah, okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we got Lorna Maitland as Clara Bell. Uh, mm-hmm. She was in Lorna, of course, because. Yeah basically the movie was like she was the star of that and it was centered around her yeah um and she was in mondo topless which is yeah have you ever seen mondo topless i have not i've seen a bunch of myers work but i have not seen that it's like that is just pure that is just purely women standing in the desert shaking their titties i'm not against that there is no story (laughs) that's fine totally fine Uh, it's it's like every like you know how like in uh, super vixens and all those other movies that uh-huh. he did in like the late 70s there's like intercuts of like here's the goddess of love and she's running around and she's shaking her tits like it's yeah. just all those segments in one well movie. it's just like it's just like lorna in this film like she's that's that the whole scene when she gets introduced she, she is dancing and she is wearing this dress that is tight as fuck yep and you you're just like you know at some point she's going to open her, her top up at some point and you're like you're just waiting because it's like as she's dancing it's just the way she dances the way she moves it's like mm-hmm. it's either a tit's gonna fall out or she's gonna take she's gonna oh and then as she gets to her soliloquy of what of the conversation she's having she opens up and she's like ah it's like oh my lord and, <laughs> yeah. it's like, and like i've read some things with this film is that uh was it rena was he made this film for her like mm-hmm. as a like the, the, the rush rush was like in love with her after fanny hill and you know she wanted to continue working with her and made this film deliberately for her i don't know the the weird thing is that her character is a mute <laughs> like yeah we'll get into that i think but uh you but know yeah. I mean, and it's like and she's from her, her performance in fanny hill is pretty good so it's like you you're like you know you're in love with this woman and she wants and you want to make another film with her so you make this kind of melodrama which is complete 180 degrees of what you've been making before and what you make after this. Right. Um, just because you, you want to keep her around and it's like, you, you make her the mute in the fucking get in the film. It's like, okay, sure, buddy. Like I, I would have, I, did he not trust her enough to make her the, you know, the, the beaten wife or did he not want yeah. to, have to put her through that? Like you, that kind of shit. Like, she'd be that character. Right. Mm, and, yeah. And that's probably, that's probably maybe why she, the, their partnership didn't last all that last long much either. after this yeah right. yeah um we got sam hannah is enjoys sure uh mm-hmm. who for a minute i thought oh shit is that sid Haig? like <laughs> yeah right like yeah thought, the first time i saw it, i was like no like, it's like yeah. and i looked it up like nope okay yeah uh we got nick wolcuff as sheriff abel uh, a, a non-racist abusive share from the self from a Hicksploitation film, a rare thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Frank Bolger as Brother Hanson. 
Uh, he did a bunch of Russ Meyer stuff too, even the handyman, Wild Gals of the Naked West, Lorna, Common Law Cabin, Cherry Harry, and Raque- Raquel as well. Yeah, that's um, a cool film. Yeah, and uh, really the rest of the cast is like, hey, either we did this or we did a couple of Russ Meyer films. Yeah. Lee Barrel, the Sister Hanson, Mickey Fox, the Sermon Pate, and mm-hmm. F. Rufus Owens as Milton. And yeah. uh, I have synopsis here from Ed Sutton on IMDb. It's 1933 in the midst of the Depression and Prohibition. Uh, Calif, a stranger with a past, walks into Spooner, Missouri. <laughs> on his on his way from Michigan to California, he, he hires on with Loot Wade to earn some traveling money, but gets entangled in a bad family situation. Loot's daughter is married to Sydney, a good-for-nothing drunk that frequents the royal equivalent of a whorehouse and beats his wife, and is just waiting for Loot to kick the bucket to get his money. Yep. When Sid, yeah, and when Sydney and a local wacko preacher begin orchestrating a smear campaign against Caliph, he finds it difficult to conceal his past and his growing affection for Sydney's wife. That's not a bad synopsis, actually, because there's mm-hmm. a lot more story than this movie needed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, so this is the first time watch for you, uh, yep. Vaughn. Uh, please tell me what your sort of general thoughts on it are. Well, like, because I'm a fan of his films, I was, I, I don't know, maybe because I read a lot about this and, like, especially his kind of. Miss, you know, misgivings, givings on the film. Like I, mm-hmm. I remember reading Ebert's like comments about it, how it's like a masterpiece. It was, you know, it was one of these films that was completely original for what he ever did, and it's, and it's out of the whole, you know, milieu of um, Meyer's work. It's, it's that one, you know, fucking uh, needle in the haystack, right? It's, yeah. that, it's that one standout. And then I would, you know, I, I think I read his or I've seen interviews with him or read interviews with him where he talked about how this film was just like, it was, you know, it just, it was not the right thing because it was a huge failure and made no money, mm-hmm. um, which all these guys do, all these directors from the 60s, when they, when they automatically go you know, say, oh, this movie was terrible, it was a horrible experience, it made no money. <laughs> <laughs> and then you look back at it, like, at all the cra- crazy shit that he made, like, you know, I'm a huge fan of Up, like one of my favorite films yeah. is Up. Um, and it's like you look at that, and that movie's just a fucking bonkers, fucking madhouse type of film. And mm-hmm. then you go from that to this, and it's like this is not the same guy. Like it's, de- but you can definitely tell that like he he it is it is a Myers film because it has that same kind of that kind of fucking like you know it's it's sweaty it's it's kind of greasy in moments, mm-hmm. um, but he kind of pulls it back. Um, and I was I, I was just like I'm watching it tonight before before we uh, got on. I'm like, yeah, I really fucking love this film. This is just, it's wonderful. Like, I love the whole performances. And like, everybody, as this is a film that's kind of like been done a shit ton of times before, yeah. after this. Like, there's there's a shitload ton of Southern Gothic type films um, that even ratchet up the fucking sex and the fucking, you know, that whole kind of thing. He kind of really pushes it down, which I thought was really cool. Um, you know, but there's like, you know, this, this is kind of thing. Like, they they keep saying that Caleb has this kind of weird like background, like he's like this, you know, I don't know, he's like running from something. Mm. Um, but we, do we really ever get that like full reveal of what that is? Like, uh, so of? like so on the uh, you know the uh, the guy he hires under for yeah farm or whatever, uncle, yeah, yeah, he he confesses to him at, on his deathbed, basically. Yeah, that, um, you know, okay, so what I did is I accidentally killed. Uh, a, a guy who was like trying to break a uh, a strike line 
Uh, yeah, he during... was a, he he broke killed a strike breaker and he free, and he freaked and he you know ran away because he didn't want to get in trouble. But like like when you think about it in, to, in today's mindset, it's like uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't like as a person who's a pro unionist, I'm a, you mm-hmm. know I'm a, I'm a union man. Like like yeah, I I would have probably just helped you hide out. Like I wouldn't have made you drive off in the because he's driving to California, so he kind of well 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 no he. The thing is, he he's not running from it. He he went he went to prison for it. So, oh, okay. So he did five years in prison for it, manslaughter. Uh-huh. And and the whole thing is that uh, his boss already knew it because immediately yeah. as he hired him on, he asked the sheriff do a background check on this guy. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like I don't like I understand. Yes. Like the whole kind of like you know you're an inmate, whatever. Like you get this kind of clout to you. Where it's like you're un you're unhirable, you know. It's mm-hmm. just, but it just takes the right person to kind of give you the respect to kind of hire you. And it's right. been, you know, God knows how many years, like uh, you know, 80, 90 years, as long as the the whole thing has been going on. But like, I, I feel like we didn't need that out of a whole thing. Like, it wouldn't just nice if he's just a guy coming into town. He's you know making he's he's stopping here because he needs to make a little bit of money so he can continue going on. And he just gets encased in in the kind of intrigue of what's you know the little the little the little farm that he kind of starts working for mm-hmm. um you know because you want him because he's like there's this weird love triangle between him and you know the uh, the the owner of the house's wife uh and then uh, him and yeah. rena the uh, the mute girl in the in the brothel um because she definitely has a thing for him um she has a she has a thing for everybody though that she sees like true yeah she's she definitely she definitely has some kind of daddy issue where like any, any man who gives her any kind of like affection she automatically jumps to um, yeah but like in that beginning when we she, he comes across her across her when he's like walking on the road and like you know ask her what she did she can't respond and um you know her mother comes up and like explaining to the people come up to her explaining to her like oh she's deaf and she's deaf and mute don't worry about it like you know she's yeah. And she and she is on top of him, like just pretty much like fucking does like right under his arm. And you're like, okay, this would be cool. Like, you know, let's let's see how this goes with the deaf with mm. the mute girl. And then it cuts to him working for this farm. Um, and you have the you know, the understanding uncle who owns the place, his his daughter who his well, his niece, who's like this really kind of, you know, she takes a lot of shit, literally. Yeah. Um and 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 then her and his and her alcoholic um abusive um you know husband who yeah, yeah like, like you said like you said he looked like he was like in his 60s but i think he was only like 30 something years old and it's like what the hell and like that it's great because you know his wife is clearly yeah like the, like the, the age range looks so different but because of like mm-hmm. his just haggard lifestyle um and it's and he's a piece of shit and oh, it's like the worst. <laughs> no, it's not even like the worst is a nice way to say it. he is a piece of shit. Like he's well, he's waiting for the uncle to die so he can take mm-hmm. over the farm. He he just drinks constantly. He gets brought into jail like multiple times, and they keep freaking you know bailing him out. Right um, to the point where near the end of the film, we he finally gets into like this big brawl at um you know in May's place, and like they're like you know the courts you know. Pretty much the whole town wants him gone, so they're gonna you're gonna cause a reason to get him out of town and run him out of town because they just can't deal with it. And this is where he comes yep. up with this whole fucking thing to to get Cal uh, fucking you know in trouble. Yep. Um, 
and like even at the ending of the film, right? Which we don't have to get to right now, but like at the end of the film when he comes to his last rope and just fucking goes fucking haywire. And you're like, well, I hated him. I hate him from the beginning. From the first time you meet him, I fucking hated him. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the film, it's like I'm like good to what happens to him at the end of the film. Oh yeah. So I'm so like I'm like good. And yes, the bad guy deserves to get exactly what he got uh, out of that film. And everybody, you know, kind of you know, it all gets resolved nicely. Um but yeah, I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I don't I don't you know it's just a film that like you look at what he made in the same year motorcycle when he made um you know Faster Pussycat and you're like, no way. <laughs> like mm. it's, you know, and Fanny Hill was that before then Fanny Hill's a fun little film. Like any kind of go and that's in a it was like a color film and it's it's cute and ridiculous. Um and he goes to this and then he goes to motorcycle and fucking it's like where the fuck were you at, man? You know yeah, it's, it's a weird bridge between his nudie cutie stuff and yeah. and then like his well known films, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh it's it's interesting. Like this there's so much noticeable like parts of his style in this, and you're like you're you're yeah. right. It, it, it's it's dialed back for him. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's pretty, pretty fucking hardcore for like an exploitation film in 1965 oh, or whatever. Yeah. Right? And I was looking at this and I was like, did David Lynch see this film? Because a lot of this reminded me of uh, fucking Blue Velvet. Sure. Like, so like, you know, like I, I would say, you know, the our main antagonist here, like he's a good analog for Frank, like same kind of psychopath kind of thing, you know? Yeah. yeah really unhinged bully Uh vicious uh but it opens at the party at that sort of like hillbilly brothel place yeah Uh and that and the music and the going on and all the laughter and shit it felt exactly like when fucking frank goes to harry dean's uh stanton's uh, brothel right all that shit happening in that house yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so like it, it feels like there there might be some connection there. I, I don't know. Uh, hey, David Lynch, let us know. You know, I know you listen. So <laughs> no, like I, I can I can agree with you on that because it definitely like Lynch's stuff has turned to eleven without mm-hmm. all the nudity and stuff like that. Um, because it, it's just it's four people in a room. Like it's two women, two it's three women, one one guy kind of sitting there drinking from a jug, and then yeah. there's one person who comes into that like family brothel. <laughs> yeah. Like there's never a lot of people in there. It's like it's a two room shot. It's a room a shot of the the bedroom and there's a shot of the living room. Um, and there's always there's always a woman dancing. One of the daughters is dancing, or you know, and and Maggie is sitting on the couch while his, I guess her son is sitting there, like you know, arguing with her back and forth about mm-hmm. stupid shit. Um, and it's just it's a bizarre thing, and I can see that you know what you're saying there because it rem- it's just that you don't have somebody singing in a lamp. Um, you know, or, you know, like, and it's, you know, and, and it's not completely, you know, it's like, yeah, I can see what you're talking about. Um, but there was a lot of, after this film, like there's a lot more films later in the sixties and early seventies that kind of pushed that kind of Southern fried Gothic style, but they kind Mm. of really, they really kind of, you know, more or less pushed the gnarlier side of it. And then there's also like more legit films that were doing that stuff where it was kind of pushing more of the kind of, you know, the man comes in the, t- the stranger comes into town and fucking starts havoc um, in this, you know, small little town, you know, cause they don't like strangers and he's, he's a good man, but then it shows the bad sides of the, the people around him and stuff like that. It's like, okay. Yeah. 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 Like the whole thing with, with our main protagonist here, you know, who walks into town, like I, uh-huh. I, 
I think you know he he didn't need to do this, but Meyer was like trying to like paint this guy as like really saintly, like a guy who was like embarrassed by his past and shit like that. Oh, yeah. Because you know that's usually not a character uh, Meyer writes. Like usually no. he's got usually his male protagonists, even if they're quote unquote good guys, they're like yeah. usually imp- impotent and like <laughs> afraid of women. And mm-hmm. this guy ain't that. Like he's he's into like, hey, there's some possibilities at this brothel, and there's also possibilities with this beaten wife that I could mm-hmm. maybe steal away, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's an interesting. Like it just gets very melodramatic. Really big characters. That's a kind of typical Meyer thing, you know. And they're like they're either all horny or violent or both. Mm-hmm. Um, just like drunken Southern melodrama. Yeah. Um, it, like honestly, if if anything, I think maybe it runs a little too long for what it is. Sure. Yeah. But but I was like super entertained by like every fucking minute of it. Oh yeah, there are definitely scenes where they kind of repeat things a couple of times, especially with the. The uncle constantly kind of coming to the point of almost dying, like being mm-hmm. put back in the bed. So yeah, he's stay in bed for a couple of days, and then he, you know, he starts feeling better and he starts working on the fucking farm. And then he has a fucking, a, a you know, a fever and he falls on the ground and they start it all over again. And like, <laughs> just fucking stay in the bed, dude. Like Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like, um, when he when he finally dies, I was like, that was pretty brutal. I thought that was great. The reaction yeah. that they have. Um, because I was, I, you know, I don't, I don't wish any death on anybody, but this guy keeps getting to the point of death, like every like fifteen minutes. You're like, just either figure it out, like take to the doctor's appointment and like relax, or mm-hmm. fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the way they do it, like you know, every once in a while, this pulls to like deadly serious, and it's yeah. like. So like our our main antagonist, he comes running in. It's like fuck you, motherfucker. Basically, it's like you yeah. trying to screw me over because like the whole the whole thing is that you know our our main bad guy here is he's he basically married into the family so he could like get the farm basically once this guy <laughs> kicks off. Like his whole scheme is is that. But you know uh, the farm owner he he fucking he shines up to our caliph guy. And is like you know what you're the good guy. I'm gonna sign it all over to you and you take my niece and run off with the money yeah and start start a good life so mm-hmm. you know that 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 starts even more antagonism and yeah and shit between the antagonists and like where you know he brings the preacher into it because this town's turning on him but the preacher's this crazy motherfucker yeah. the scene where he takes the preacher to the fucking brothel is <laughs> fucking oh. hilarious he like walk it up, and you got and you got you got Raina uh, outside in a little in a little tub basin, washing yep. herself, and you're like, oh my! And you could see his face; he's so disgusted by this mm-hmm. because, and they're like, you know, down home people; they don't know any fucking better. Like and like she's you know deaf and mute, so she doesn't know any fucking better. Like she's and, she's treated as an innocent and almost to the point yeah. where it's it's creepy in the sense that like does she have the mind of like an eight year old or something? Like what's going on? Yeah, but then you see certain scenes when she's like she's on what's it? Uh, she's on our our that first scene when we get introduced to the brothel and mm-hmm. she's on him and she's licking his fucking ear and kissing on his yeah. ear and shit and you're like yeah like even though she's supposed to be like an innocent, she knows what she's doing. She knows. Right how to like handle what she's supposed to be handling i guess you can say mm-hmm. like you know she's yeah and she like, handles the priest and that's why he comes storming into the room yeah, fucking, yeah half dressed and shit and he's pissed yeah. 
And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I will say, you know, there's no graphic sex in this film, but like no. we do get we do get one of the classic Meyer shots of like the POV shot of like from the bed frame, like just slightly behind it kind of <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. yeah. Cause you'd see a lot of that in like up and shit like that afterward. Right. Where you know, uh-huh. it's just like the sex scene is just like, hey, is someone peeking up from the bed frame at them yeah. fucking kind of thing? Yeah. Um I, I will say, like, the fucking ending of this, too. Yeah. <laughs> so much happens. Like, almost, like, too much. Like, it, it just kind of crazy. He, he, and you can see some of this is kind of like, you know, like, it's it's definitely like, um like, we're introduced to the, the wife of the preacher. And mm-hmm. you, and it's kind of like a Chekhov's gun. You know something bad's going to happen there at some right. point. Yeah. But, like, it's like, he's like, he's, you know, he had to fill a time period. It's like, okay, I got to do a 90-minute movie. And this guy's gonna die at the end, so we have to make it a real reason, like not just because of this or this. We have to pretty much ratchet everything up. So like he burns the friggin' the farm down, yep. he rapes the friggin' preacher's wife, and then they finally grab him and they hang him in ta- in the town square. And it's like, okay, it's like sure, all right. Like we this piece, of, this guy's already a piece of shit to begin with. Like the town's just like, well, we need a reason. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, he, he just because he's a drunken asshole who constantly gets in the fights and. And you know, is in the jail cell every goddamn week. Yeah, that's not enough. Well, he raped the preacher's wife. Uh, well, he burned down the friggin' the only farm we have in town. Oh fuck, let's go. Let's fucking get him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and our heroes find themselves in the, like the position of like we're gonna try to stop the hanging. And yeah, but yeah, like, why? It's like you know the town wants this. Like the town, like it's it's mm-hmm. it's martial law. They're pretty much like. We need to get rid of this guy. If we even if we kick him out of town, he'll come back some years later, and people might forget that this yeah. jerk was around. Uh, like, no, it's it's just, it's just the sheriff is like like I said before, he's actually a good sheriff. He wants like law and order in the town. Uh-huh. He wants to go through the like the due process and all that shit. Like he's well, like, like, yeah, we'll hang this guy, but you know we got to put him through the court system first. Sure, and like this, that thing where they go and get him out of jail. And he's pissed, and he's like, "What took you so long?" And they're like, "Well, mm. like, you know, we we and and then when they they go to the court, they go to the the sheriff, and the sheriff's like, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a big fine, it's gonna be a big amount of money for this, and it's like you know, this is the Depression era, um, so even though it looks very modern, and for the time period, it's mm-hmm. based in the Depression, yeah. um, so like they're like you know twenty bucks, it's gonna be twenty bucks to get out of jail, and he's like, "Woof." He said, well, why, don't you just, why, "Why don't you leave him in jail? Make him, you know, give him, you know, have him, have him pay for the lesson." And he's like, "No." He's like, "You know, no. Like, I, I would love to, but my niece would be upset, and she's the one who sent us here to get him out of jail." Um, and he's like, "You know, like, and he's the one who kind of tells him, like, you know, the town isn't very happy with him anymore. They don't like him here. He causes too many problems. They're gonna run him out." Right, mm-hmm. and when he gets out of the thing, he's like, "What took you so long? Why you? Why you got like?" Cause he's I don't know why he he has such a big chip on his shoulder. And there's that scene at the brothel the first time where they're talking about how he 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 constantly talking about he's he's a grifter. He's constantly doing these grifts where he's getting money somehow, mm-hmm. right? And the grift that he's pulling on now is you know being married to the the, the niece and waiting for the uncle to die to take over the to take over the farm and pretty much sell the farm from underneath her and kind of take right. money, um, and probably disappear the next fucking day. Yeah, um, right. And they know it. They all know it because he's probably there. Because like they say, he's there all the time, right? Mm-hmm. And like he he gets in this big fight with Caliph because um, they're like you know you should respect you know. 
down. He's like, I don't fucking respect anything. And he's, he's a big fight in the town. And then the town people in town are like, well, he's the one who started it. Like, no, no, no. Cal had nothing to do with it. He started it. And then he starts the whole kind of thing. is like he's going to work on the preacher to kind of like spread rumors and lies. And the fact that Cal yeah. finds it out from from one of the girls, uh, one of Maggie's girl, Maggie's daughter is the one who can talk as she's taking mm-hmm. like a a swim underneath the, uh, yeah. the train, the train trestle, um, yeah. and, and pretty much telling him, he's like, Hey, you know, they're, they're spreading this rumor around that you're a piece of shit. You're trying to fuck, uh, fuck his wife, uh, behind his back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to the point where it, he goes, in, he goes into town and they won't even like serve him where they won't even like yeah, let him get his provisions and shit. And he's like, Oh, that's not good. This whole town, it's like, oh, this guy can fucking burn down a farm or rape a bunch of women, but adultery, we won't no. stand for that. Hell no. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, this I really enjoyed this. Uh, yeah. I, I've seen like bits and pieces of it before, sure. but uh, and I kind of knew what it in general was. But uh, first time watch for me, and yeah, no, this was really good. Like it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't it doesn't feel too long, even though you know, like. You could have cut it down, but like I feel like everything in it works. Yeah, it could and... have been like an eighty-minute movie, and it would have really been awesome. But I think mm-hmm. it's overall. I think it would have been wild if you knew who Russ Meyer was in like in the sixties, especially the stuff he did before this, mm-hmm. and you went to like a drive-in to see this. <laughs> like, how fucking nuts would that be? Like, you're just like you're expecting something like like his snooty cuties at the beginning when these you know cute little fucking fun films, mm-hmm. and you get this, or and like I don't know how the how the release schedule was. I don't know if he released any of the other films he made the same year before this or after this. Um, like, but if, like if, if it was like, he re- made like faster pussycat for this, it came out before this, then this came out and you're like, Hey, yeah, I love this fucking guy's work. You go see this. You're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Cause this is, this is way sleazier than faster pussycat. And yeah. Like, but it's very, it's very kind of like, it's very straightforward compared to like a lot of those films. True. You know? Yeah. Like it, it's weird. Cause like it has all the sleaze and stuff that kind of is more indicative to his later films. Yeah. Just without the sex scenes uh-huh. and motorcycle and faster pussycat kill killer, much more pure, like kind of action exploitation kind of sure. stuff and not big on the nudity. Like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's kind of a weird spot for his career, I think. But um, yeah, I liked it. Um, so of course, I think everyone knows this. The rock group Mud Honey took their name from this one. So yeah, yep. of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and this one's a hard one to find, though. Uh, there's no Blu-ray, as far as I know, of this anywhere. Uh, it's it's on DVD, and yeah. uh, you can get it from Rare Lust, which is where we got this. But uh, sure, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to take a little musical interlude and we're going to play the trailer for Girl on a Chain Gang and come back and talk about that. We on a Saturday night, we're going through the strong, feeling like a rocket head all night long. Get a heart, I go home. I get a heart, I go home. Yeah, come on, boys.
sheriff is quite a character. Smell like a distillery. No, don't let that fool you. They're smart enough to stay within the law. We have to be very careful. If they found, found out we were down here to help in voter registration, we'd very likely disappear without a trace. I don't want to let them three on your side. See where to go, what to do. Especially that girl. Now we're mighty pleased you all come to visit our fair town. Yeah, we're gonna make you feel good. Right at home. Now you listen. We don't have to hear this all day. If we did something wrong, you're gonna have to follow the correct legal procedure and have us charged. If we're innocent, let us go. What the speed limit is on this here public road. As a matter of fact, we didn't see any speed limit signs. But I can assure you we weren't going faster than any other car on the road. You people took to coming down here. So you better take to playing by our rules. Girl on the Chain Gang, 1966. This is directed by Jerry Gross. And uh, he doesn't have a lot of directing credits behind his name. Uh, yeah. His only other two things are Teenage Mother and Female Animal. <laughs> have you seen but Teenage Mother? I have not. I've heard of it. And I, I, I know it. you've covered it. Yeah. I. That's a film that has this wild fucking trailer, right? Mm-hmm. Um and it's a it's a it's a flip it's a switcheroo. The trailer is this kind of about this kind of girl who's playing both ends and shit like that, and she gets pregnant and she causes havoc. And then the film is like this typical kind of delinquent, um, you know, high school delinquent film. Um, yeah, with like with, with the you know the local science the, the the science teacher who comes in like a, she's a French woman who comes in to teach um, sex ed to the ta- to mm. the kids. And the town is very not against it. And then just like, you know, but the the one big thing about that film is that 
it has um footage of an actual woman giving birth at the end of the film uh, yeah yeah and that's what the big that's the whole big thing about it and that's like the like for the time it probably blew fucking people's minds but the movie is very boring <laughs> <laughs> like you watch well, the trailer and you're like wow okay i'm expecting this kind of like this tawdry little tart film right and mm-hmm. you get this kind of like really kind of slow and low kind of delinquent flick and it's like oh god uh, and then you get to like the last 10 minutes when they show the class this fucking footage of this woman giving birth and it's an actual like full on like you know full like um in in utero birth it's not like a c-section mm-hmm. or anything like that and that's gnarly as fuck <laughs> and like like okay that's a great way to fucking really get everybody but yeah so i was like when i saw it when i when you sent me the title i looked it up and was like oh fuck i've already done one of his films already i'm like yeah yeah so so jerry gross is notorious for this so like yeah. he's much m- more well known as a sort of producer and distributor yeah. of exploitation films mm-hmm. and he would often like title and retitle stuff in sensational ways to like you know get people to watch the films basically yeah. they, even even if they didn't and of course this is another example girl in a chain gang there ain't no fucking chain gang in this fucking movie well <laughs> not really right. the very very end of the film yeah yeah it's it's you know yeah. Blake but I've seen, I've seen a lot of the films he's produced. He produced Sweetbacks. He produced Badass uh, Song. You know, like yeah, he he actually is significant. Like there's a lot of great exploitation stuff that he yeah he produced. produced. I Drink Your Blood, which is a great fucking seventies freak out film. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Black Godfather, Dynamite yeah. Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like his his uh, company, the Jerry Gross Organization, released and distributed like just tons of stuff. Yeah. Like they did stuff like Zombie and Penitentiary and mm-hmm. the Black Godfather and the Mafu Cage. Yeah, yeah. Which you discovered. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is written by Jerry Gross and Don Olson. Don Olson did not write anything else as far as I can tell. No. Um, this is starring William Watson as Sheriff Sonny Lou Wormer, and he's got 44 credits. Uh, most people know him from In the Heat of the Night. Um, just basically playing the same character. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's also stuff like Lawman, uh, The Hunting Party, Chateau's Land, The Mac. Uh, he would do another racist, authoritarian white dude in Roots. Uh, yeah. one. Um, he popped up in The Sword and the Sorcerer, and uh, even uh, Larry Cohen's It's Alive 3 Island of the Alive, which is not a good yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we got Julie Angie as Jean Rollins, and she was the titular teenage mother. So yeah. uh, she's back here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got Ron Charles as Deputy Luke. Uh, he, I was looking at his credits. He actually popped up in Orson Welles' The Other Side of the Wind. Like he's he's in that <laughs> for some huh. reason. Um, I, I I imagine you know Orson Welles is kind of running these indie film circles at this point. You know, trying oh, to yeah. get money and shit and. Yeah, there's a clever. ton of people there's a ton of people in that movie where you're just like like i don't fucking i'm amazed that they were able to like keep it straight that flick yeah uh, uh we got um arlene farber as nelly and she was in teenage mother female animal i drink your blood and mm-hmm. the french connection out of yeah. nowhere <laughs> uh we got ron siegel as ted branch we got peter navard as deputy cal um He's interesting. He directed a documentary called Groupies from 1970 that I kind of want to see. So it looks, looks, looks kind of fun. Um, 
got Matt Reynolds as uh, Les Davis, James Harvey as Claude Martin, and Judge Ferris Bean doing a dual role here in his only roles. Uh, <laughs> might be a reason for that because he sucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Philip Vanian as Dr. Uh, Roof Hall, Henry Baker as Tom, Horace Bailey as Leroy, and he actually popped up in a couple other things. Uh, Christmas Evil. Yeah, and he and he's got a bit part in Michael Jackson's Bad. Huh. Yeah, um, and then like the rest of the cast here again. This is another one of these things where it's like mostly appeared in movies that uh, <laughs> Mr. Gross made, basically, uh, or if anything, you know, anything else he did was a was a gross movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Sam Cutter is Cotton, Ben Wormer, um, Wolf Landsman is Seth Waters. Uh, Earl Leak as Clyde Fuller, Richard Anthony as State Trooper, and Don Olson as Zeke Landers. Oh, and then we have Harry Kaplan as Justin Powers. Sure. And uh, he popped up in The Alien Dead, which is a fucking terrible movie. Yeah. And, and, but he is notable because he was a prolific TV director. So I think he was just kind of like doing a favor or something. Sure. Maybe, maybe making a couple bucks somehow acting in this because... He went on to do like like he was directing TV in the fifties and shit, and mm. then he went on to do a bunch of soap operas and stuff like that. Um, okay. I think he directed a bunch of Dark Shadows uh, fucking episodes and stuff like that too. So, um, probably has the biggest career out of anybody in this fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so synopsis here, very quick. This is this was obviously taken from like the back of the box or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Three young people are framed, arrested, and thrown into prison by corrupt Southern police. Yes, yeah, that is that sure. is the movie. Uh, but yeah, we'll get into it. Vaughn, what is your initial thoughts on this one? Um, I was kind of bored up until the last like half an hour of this film. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because it's like you you have these three kids who come into this town, and it's and it's one of these old kind of like urban legends that like you know when you were like when I was a teen. Learn, you know, finally getting able to drive and kind of go on my own. It's like, you know, don't go through this state or don't go through this part of the town because don't go through this part of the state because you may find, you know, if you get across small little towns and shit like that, mm-hmm. you kind of get fucked. Um, it reminds me very much like nothing but trouble. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Right. That, uh, yeah. Yeah. Where it's like this whole kind of town amongst itself. It's like this fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this is. It's like you get these three kids they are driving through town. They come, they, they stop off in this place. And the the sheriff in town is pretty much the guy who runs everything. And it's only like six or seven other men who live in the town. Yeah. Um, and they just start fucking with these kids. They like you know, they they bring them in like the his his underlings kind of who are just doing whatever the fuck they want. They bring them in. They start harassing them. They kind of hold them for no for un you know, unreasonable charges. Mm-hmm. Um, they let them go. They they decide to go to the local freaking restaurant to try to get some food and stuff like that they get accosted by them they get brought back in back and forth and there's you know they the two guys get killed and then the girl gets put on on trial and this is where the where it kind of changed for me where i actually started enjoying the film was when they did the trial mm-hmm. and then the rest like the last half an hour 35 minutes i was like oh, okay i really enjoyed this part like i wish it was more of this because i was Should've kind of yeah, should have been a prison movie for most of its runtime. Right. I was waiting because because that whole scene, like the very end when they're running through and they're both and there's people chained together running. I was like, that's what I wanted this whole time. Like, I yeah. wish this I wish this whole first 40 minutes of this film was cut down to 20. And then it was just like, you know, this girl being kind of harassed and accosted and kind of like, you know, chained up on her own, you know, being, you know, kind of like just 
you know, manhandled and shit like that. And then she takes, she gets a chance to kind of escape. And then we have like another 20 minutes of her running through the fucking wilderness of this Western town trying to get through. That would have been great. Like yeah. the first, first 40 minutes, like this, get on with it. Like, come yeah, on. They, they do. So like any other exploitation film that would turn yeah. into a prison film, mm-hmm. the first 40 minutes of this would be the first 10 minutes of that film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's just I, I like, and that's the thing. I was like, oh, and I and like I, I I looked it up, and as I was checking, I checked my letterbox, and I was like, oh, this is the guy who did Teenage Mother. Like, okay, <laughs> so much sense. And I was, and I was just like, oh, like it's not, like. And the thing is, I'm not saying anything about the performances. The performances of all the actors are pretty fun. Like, you understand that these kid these kids know where they're where they are and where how they're fucked. They're not trying to like. They're not trying to fight it. They're just trying to like let it go through, and then they can let us back on our way. And we'll be out of the way. Well, they're they're coded as like they're coded as like educated, yeah, sem- semi beatniks, and you know one of them is just like guilty of being black, basically, in in a southern town, and but they're very, they're actually like very good kids. They're just very yeah. square and nice, and they get railroaded by these cops who are just monstrously. Right, mm-hmm. they're just yeah. terrible. They're fucking awful, fucking humans. Um, and because they're southern boys, you know, and everybody in this town is a bunch of you know redneck hicks. It's like, uh, and you can definitely tell this is directed by a guy who lives in this in the northern states, uh, like out in California or maybe in New York, that kind of thing. Um, and has no idea what the South is. It's just only like has well, like was- inklings and stuff like that. This was and shot it- in Long Island, by the way. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> It, it just it just feels like that. It just feels like like hey, we need to make like some kind of like you know like southern fucking scare film for like the mm. you know the the locals to go. I'm like oh, this is why you don't fucking go through fucking West Virginia. Like, you yeah. know, this, that's why we fly over these states to get to Florida. We don't drive there <laughs> um, because it's it's such a like these three kids are like you know they're they're well dressed. They're well. They're very nice. They're you know they look good and like by the end of the film when like you know, the one girl who survives the whole thing when she's on trial her clothes are ripped her hair is a fucking mm-hmm. mess because she just got raped before she got the trial so it's like yeah it's implied that she's raped several times by the show yeah the and film, like the, yeah. he brings the he brings the, the town doctor in to kind of do a an overview on her before because you know you're supposed to do this before the fucking trial mm-hmm. um just to kind of like continue that like oh she's been she was raped by these two men so there's a reason why they had to kill them and oh, it's like, oh my, oh my God! The, the, okay, so we need to talk about this. Yeah, okay, this please. is probably the weirdest part of this film. Sure. So, oh, so that, the do- that, yes, the doctor, fly. yes, the doctor is <laughs> is you know coerced by the sheriff to like you've got to make evidence showing that this was a loose woman who's guilty of being a prostitute. Basically, she's uh-huh. been immoral with several men, including that black fella. Yeah, so, what does the doctor provide? He provides a film slide as evidence in this kangaroo court that doesn't need evidence like they could be over and done with in five minutes but he presents this slide that is showing supposedly the difference between white sperm and black sperm <laughs> it is it was, i laugh so hard and this so is so out of nowhere like this film is just plodding along and then that happened yeah. i was like what the fuck it just made me laugh so hard and i was like okay yeah. this definitely I'm, I'm 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 one more star i was like I was like a star and a half, and I was like a two and a half, and then you have the 
her you have her um her like you know they're like oh you have anything to say and she pretty much just puts the whole place on blast she's like she's like i don't believe any of this shit <laughs> like, because yeah. i knew i was already uh, like guilty as soon as i even like got walked into this town um so like this whole kangaroo court doesn't mean anything um and it's like you know and the judge is like you know i'm not gonna i'd give you i give you time sir and time served or uh, you know spend a couple of 90 days in jail but you know we can't do that. So we're going to give you 90 days on fucking hard labor on a chain mm. gang. It's like, what? And there's, it's yeah, like, and it's, what a, the it's, fuck? It's, and it's not only just a chain gang, it's a black chain gang. Like it's yeah. a black only work camp, basically. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? And like, yeah, we get, we, we get brought to that and you get the, you can introduce the guy who runs the chain gang. And he just did the first thing he says is, he calls all his, uh, you know, all the men who are working under the chain gang the N word, and you're like, all right, okay, I yeah. know where we are. <laughs> and, and this guy, like, and he, he wears has this weird, like, sheepskin vest or something when yeah. he comes when he's got her chained against the wall. Like, what movie is this now? <laughs> it just switches like, to like this, yeah. Like, and yet yeah, he's got her instead of having her working on the chain gang like she's supposed to, he's got her chained up against the wall in his office, like she's like you know expecting her to kind of just because you know he's been told that she's a whore so it's like mm-hmm. she should be able to give in like yeah like if you're yeah, not yeah. gonna give in to me i'm gonna put you on the chain gang tomorrow and she and that's what he ends up doing and she because she rightly refuses um so the next day she's on the chain gang well we have this whole thing at the end of the night with the two with two guys are like you know pretty much plotting their escape mm-hmm. and they're like well you know they're gonna put this girl in the chain gang it's perfect we can use her as kind of like a diversion to get the fucking get ourselves off um and you know, and and she kind of, you know, she's supposed to be the smart, educated woman, and she kind of, she's not like, she's not racist, but she's definitely like, she's so battered and beaten by the end of this film that she she can't trust this guy. She doesn't trust any man at this point. Yeah, yeah. even though he's like, pretty much, I don't want to do anything yet. I just want to get the fuck out. I don't really like. You know, I just want to get out. Like, I don't, you know, like, cause he, she's like brandishing a rock and like threatening to, ki- threatening to kill him because mm-hmm. she thinks he's going to just like, attack him. He's like, no, 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 nothing like that. I don't want any of that shit. You were attached to me. I want, I wanted to try to get this out with another friend of mine, but you were attached to me. So we, had, I kind of had to make compromise. Um, and his, his death is pretty shitty. Like, he this is fucking just like shot to death. And it's like, man, oh. he gets, yeah, he just gets like gunned Massacred. down. Yeah. It's like, and, <laughs> And and what happens? She runs up on the road, and another, I guess, another cop from another town or somewhere else picks her up, and he's like, you know, she's kind of babbling incoherently about what's what's happened to her, and he's like, oh, perfectly, finally a survivor. <laughs> like what? So, yes, this, is, this has happened more than once. <laughs> they so uh, they the the whole thing is is like everyone outside this county knows that this has been happening, but they couldn't yeah. get proof. So they were waiting for someone to escape so they could get a witness, basically. Yeah. And she's fucking like, you know, she's not like incoherent, like like babbling and shit like that. No. But she's definitely like, she definitely needs a like a nice good soak in a tub and like a two day sleep um, yeah. before she actually is able to sit and tell her story. But uh, you know, at, at the same time, it's like the sheriff. He doesn't even get to be punished by the justice system because he he runs in like a, an ironic twist of fate. He runs yeah. into like a, a fucking snake's nest or whatever and gets like well, bit the, to death. Well, the 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 black guy that's on her chain when they finally get loose, mm-hmm. he he gets accosted by the sheriff and the sheriff and him fight and he grabs like a fucking stump and beats him with the stump and as he's trying to like push the stump off, all these little snakes kind of come out of it and beat and pretty much bite him to death. 
yeah. um, infecting whatever kind of venom they are. Even though like his his underlings are like, well, it had to be something else because these little snakes don't have enough venom in the kill this one man. And it's like, well, yeah, probably, but he, he's pretty dead because he's yeah. like fucking. He just stops moving, and you go to his face. You know, they go to him, they find him, and he's like petrified. And it's mm. like, but then you're like, good, fuck him. Like that guy deserves whatever he gets because yeah. he's a piece of garbage. Like everybody in that town, the town should be burnt to the ground. <laughs> like <laughs> they're all bad. It's like they're all just shit. Yeah, so the, I, I love in the, in the courts. I love the court scene where they're like, well, does a jury have anything? There's one guy sitting in the jury. And, like, and he's just like, now we're good. And the, and the, the prosecutor <laughs> is like, is like wish.com Bella Lugosi. Like he's just like, <laughs> yeah. it's, I expected them to like start talking about sucking blood or something. Like it was just, just crazy. It totally, it totally switches like right then and there. Because, mm. Like I knew I was kind of in for like this kind of shitty, like, you know, she's not getting off. Like there's no way. Yeah. But then it's like, she has somebody who's who's working for her. She had, you know, they have their guy, and the, you know, and it's pretty much the typical kind of like, you know, small bird town lawyer type of bullshit. Yes. Um, <laughs> and you have the fucking the the judge who's got fucking wild hair, and he's he looks like he just woke up. Uh, he's been sleeping in his robes for weeks, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, ah, well, you know, and he's doing the whole southern thing, and then he points over to the 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 the. the the jury and it's one guy sitting there, one guy lounging like he's like legs up akimbo mm-hmm. he's just fucking like eh. and he gets up he goes yeah we're good we have a we i, I have a yeah, I have, she's guilty and he sits back the fuck down and you're like yeah okay and and like her whole soliloquy is awesome like it's just like because she's so like she's like just get over just get it over with i don't want to do this anymore like you guys are fucking killing me <laughs> yeah I'd, I'd say you know it's not a good film, but it's mm-hmm. it's her performance and the yeah. sheriff's performance, especially, definitely. are mm-hmm. definitely worth worth seeing. Like this, sure. you know, we we just talked about Mud Honey, which has like just style farting out its ass, like at every <laughs> yeah. fucking juncture. This movie right. has no style at all. It's like so flat. It's yeah. like it, re- it, it reminded me of like a boring version of Night of the Living Dead, the way it's shot. That, that's the problem. Like when when I was talking about it with Teenage Mother, Teenage Mother is very a flat film. Mm-hmm. It's it's got nothing going for it, and then it's only got that ending. And then when you like, I I remember originally there was a podcast I used to listen to called Drunken Zombie, and they would play that trailer all the time because they found it and then kind of ran with it. Because mm-hmm. the 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 moniker at the end of it is a teenage mother. It means nine months of trouble, and you're like, oh my god, that sounds like the fucking best. That's like the best fucking tagline for a weird fucking film about a teenage yeah. woman, you know, causing havoc around her around her neighborhood. And it's like, and then you, I finally got to see the film because like Code Red released it on like a double bill disc with like, um, I forget, there's no like, no, I forget the other film, but I was like, I was more interested in seeing Teenage Mother finally. And I saw it, and it's such a flat tire fart of a fucking film. And I'm like, ugh. Like, and then when you, you sent this, and I saw Jerry Gross, and I was like, mm. why did that sound familiar? And <laughs> and like, oh no! Like, but you, as a, yeah, he's got. He had a great mind. Like he had a great mind to pick up films and release films. But like as a director, and I can understand why he stopped directing after like three mm-hmm. films because he's just, he, you know, he's not, not good not, at it. No, he he realized like, that he he couldn't. He realized he shouldn't be doing this. Just work as a producer, which is the smartest fucking thing he ever did. He's like a William Castle who couldn't direct. Yeah, 
Like, oh my god, <laughs> it's perfect. That's actually perfect. Yeah, like he's definitely had an eye for promotion. Like he did some sort of movie. I know at one point, like a cannibal movie or something like that. And I guess he mm-hmm. had like he had like a bunch of black guys like dressed up in like jungle garb and shit to like promote <laughs> it at some point. I was like, okay, that I bet that would grow over well in twenty twenty three, dude. Yeah, but definitely. you know, but back in the day, like he had an eye for that shit. Like I, I guess, I guess he was just like. Like he, he kind of his career kind of dried up by the end of the seventies or whatever, and it sure. was kind of just like a, a symptom of uh, like the big studios kind of like took over exploitation, like they kind of oh, yeah, know, definitely put a stranglehold on the drive-in circuit yeah. shit, and they realized that they realized that they were losing too much money, and they're like, well, we can fucking do this. Why can't we do yeah. this? Or they would just buy out straight up productions like of other yeah. people's shit, and it's like. And it's like, yeah, it's like, why do we need all these small? Why, why are we letting all these small guys make fucking money hand over fist when we're losing money on this shit? We can make these things better and sleazier. Like, fuck right, it. right, yeah. Um, a little bit of trivia for this. Uh, so the uh, our African American uh, co-star in this, uh, mm-hmm. no one knows who the fuck he was. He's not on. He's not credited in the film. <laughs> wow, really? Yeah, apparently, apparently he apparently he got. I, I'm pretty sure it was probably a choice of his to like get himself erased from this film. <laughs> yeah, because sure. uh-huh. um, it, it's it's definitely not like the counterculture, like uh, you know, uh, anti-racism movie that maybe some people would have hoped it was going sure. into it. Like it, mm-hmm. it becomes much more just a tame exploitation film than anything else. Yeah, definitely. Um, so th- this movie was inspired by true historical events. Uh, just two years earlier, Mississippi lawmen had pulled over a vehicle containing three civil rights activists, two white men and one black man, and held them on false charges. All three men soon disappeared, and the eventual FBI investigation turned up piles of dead bodies secretly barrel- buried in the town. The local sheriff, his deputy, and patrolmen were held for trial on a murder case so famous that it not only inspired this movie, but also the 1988 Oscar-winning film, Mississippi Burning. Wow. So, yeah, this is the proto-Mississippi Burning. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, So, release info for this. This actually has a really good Blu-ray out there um, from the Film Detective and Something Weird video. Uh, And that would be probably the only way to snag it, really. Uh, I I think Something Weird, they're, like, getting rid of their... Like they're kind of folding, right? I think. No, I think what 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 I yeah. She posted Lisa, um, who who's the kind of the heir to the something weird, uh, you know, line after her husband died a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, this year is the last year they're going to do um, burn on demand DVDs and downloads on the website. Okay. Um, what they're going to continue doing more is what they've been doing for the last couple of years is kind of pushing more of their stuff out to catalog. With like stuff like uh, the American Genre Film Archive and oh, okay. you know and Vinegar Syndrome, so I'm kind of putting more stuff out there. But I think it's because she has this huge glut of all this stuff there that I don't think people have really been buying because I mean because they've been actually working very well with putting out the high tier stuff on yeah. on Blu-ray and UHD um, in the last like five six years. So you know, it's like why do I keep all this other stuff like on hard drives and everything like that and kind of keep it available. Allegedly when they posted that online, they had a huge glut like last month when she posted like, Oh, by the way, this is the last year we're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And people fucking went nuts thinking that like, Oh my God, they're, they were never going to be able to find these films again. Let's download and fucking order as much as we can thinking that she was kind of like, you know, closing shop forever, but not yeah. really. 
Like I think I think the American Genre Film Archive holds all of all of Mike Rainey's stuff that he had from okay. something weird archives, like in their vaults, because I don't that's he, good because he had he had a good way of keeping it, but I don't think it was as good as their way of keeping stuff because their stuff is so fucking minute and crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so this is supposed to be the last year that she's going to be doing downloads and and I actually been digging through their their download catalog and going. Hmm, I've never seen this. I've never heard of this. And I'm thinking about like like there's a list on my phone, like my on my my notes of like 25 films. And I'm like, when I get a lot of money, I'm gonna buy these. Ones in here. <laughs> yeah, just put them on a plaque server and just kind of keep them there. Can, can um, we get a can we get a Barnes and Noble, Noble something weird? Uh, yeah, right. Fucking 50 off, like yeah. Criterion gets, you know, like yeah. yeah right. But no, okay, that makes me feel better because I was kind of yeah. worried that like, oh shit, all of a sudden like. Like she had Literally. to clarify, like I think she clarified in like a post like the next day or something like that. Like, okay. don't no no, don't worry, I'm not closing up shop. It's just that I feel like no one's really buying any of this stuff anymore. So it's like Yeah, so it's, why, it's like, not... why do we have it keep it available? It's a lot more work for her to do. Yeah, so it's like the burn on demand stuff and stuff like that. She can make more money just giving it to like someone who's gonna yeah, take it's care licensing of it. licensing it to to everybody else and having other people work on the special features and all that other shit. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, but also, uh, you can get this on Rare Lust if you want to pick it up. And it is the Blu-ray cut. So uh, that's yeah. what we watched uh, for mm-hmm. this. So, um, I, you know, I'm not going to say it's a good movie, but I I would recommend it just because it is like a... It, it, if you want to see where exploitation kind of really starts, like this is kind of the movie that does it. It, it, this and Mud Honey both kind of like do it, and it, and it's an interesting compare and contrast too because Mud Honey is so like audacious and and off the wall, and this one is so much more reserved. Yeah, but but both of them have like a bunch of important thematic stuff that I think like resonates throughout the entire genre going forward. So like they're yeah, it, it's, a, it's a it's a good counterpoint even if even if fucking uh, girl in a chain gang is kind of a slog this this is definitely one where they could have cut 20 minutes out of it and i would not have felt bad about it at all but yeah oh yeah definitely yeah um all right so no idea what's coming up next on the podcast <laughs> you're, just, you're just gonna have to wait and see uh sure. we'll, we'll figure something out i uh, like daniel was supposed to be on the show tonight and he was like tired and was like okay well maybe we'll do something next weekend okay let's let's hit up and see if we can do that so maybe there'll be something else next weekend. Who knows? Maybe. But um, cool. yeah, but uh, Vaughn, uh, really appreciate you coming on, dude. Always sure. love having you on. Um, so plug your stuff. Okay. Um, hope you have a couple minutes there, listeners, because um, I do a lot of podcasts. <laughs> yes. Uh, I work on, I, I have three uh, out right now. So I, my, so the main show I do is called Motion Picture Massacre. It's it's a deep dive into the kind of weird and a cult exploitation films, kind of like what Lee does here. Um, but I do it by myself. So mm-hmm. if you like, listen, if you like my voice, go there at motionpicturemaster.wordpress.com. Um, I also do a podcast with my friend, Stephen Thompson on Westerns. It's called one of the live, but preferably dead. You can find that at jafmp.com. Um, and then I also another podcast that was kind of on the, the motion picture massacre feed for a long time was a show called the Douchecast 5K. We have now kind of brought it and kind of brought it over to my our friend Mike Cadaver's um, the Cadaver Lab uh, group. Um, 
and it's on its own. It's its own little thing. It's a the the one of the live and douchecast are monthly shows. Mush Picture Massacre is pretty much just like Lee's. It's it's a little easier because I don't have to kind of wrangle cats like he does. Yeah. Um, but it's pretty much whenever I find something I really am interested in talking about, I kind of put it out there. Um, so it's either bi-weekly or monthly. It's all according to how well my life is going um, right now. But I've been doing it for 16 years, so there's a plenty of a back- backlog of uh, episodes. Um, with the Douche Cash 5K, it's myself, my cadaver uh, of Cadaver Lab and CorpseCast and uh, Stephen Thompson. Uh, we pick a film out of the air. We mm-hmm. talk about it for five minutes, and 90% of the time we just bitch and moan and fight and argue with each other. Indeed you do. Um, <laughs> Lots of Mormon jokes. Yes, and it's just it's three guys who've known each other for a long period of time, um, who just like to sit and bullshit with each other. Um, and it's it's an easy show. We just pretty much at the beginning, we you know if there's anything that doesn't need to be said, you don't say it because I'm not editing it. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much the easiest way to do the show. Yeah. Um, and that can be found at uh, douchecast5k.com. Um, and I also have a podcast on Patreon. Um, it's mm-hmm. called the Night Court Files. Uh, it can be found under patreon.com slash motion picture massacre presents. Um, that's kind of a catch all for like projects I want to do outside of my, my main show. And I'm just kind of putting these things out. Like I said, it's like if you're willing to pay a buck for it, you can listen to these things. And if it gets enough traction, I'm going to start putting it out on its norm feed and kind of start working towards that. Um, but for right now, I'm kind of keeping it in the paywall section. So I just kind of have like, you know, cool. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. Yeah. And, like, and occasionally I pop up on your show. I occasionally pop up mm-hmm. on the grind bin, um, which we're doing a bunch of Patreon stuff the next week or something like that. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, and I, I will say I have not listened to the Nightmore night court uh, fucking uh, podcast, but I do highly recommend the other three that. Yeah. Uh, uh, mentioned so yeah yeah mm-hmm. maybe uh, eventually i probably will pay the dollar and get all the night court stuff to solicit. sure I got, I'm, I'm in slacking on that i gotta get off my ass and start doing that i've been kind of really i like i was i just i just posted an episode today and i was talking about how like you know everybody when they get up they do a patreon they kind of make that the priority because they're getting paid for it Mm-hmm. And I'm making none of these podcasts the priority. <laughs> so it's like, oh god, you know, like see, see what what entices me is like, wait, someone says, oh, I've got a Patreon. Yeah. Okay. Are you gonna get on like some of the people I know from like the Grind Bin or Solid Six or something like yeah. that? It's like, oh, they do an episode there with them. Okay, now I'm gonna now I'm gonna jump on that shit. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're never doing a Patreon on this fucking podcast, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> no one should be giving me money. No one should be offering to buy me DVDs either. No. Everyone, just stop that. Don't even do it. <laughs> stop it. No one. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh, fuck. This was great, Vaughn. Thank you so much for coming awesome. on. Awesome. Yeah, it was a yeah. fun time. Yeah, and uh, we'll be back when we're back. Goodbye, people. <laughs> Bye. Baby's trying to go steady. We can't get married and we can't get ready. Our folks say no and they make the rule. We need education so we keep on school. That time we're happy and sometimes blue. When you keep going steady, don't know what to do. I'm a sharp looking cat, she's a living doll, but I want to play the field of what? started picking up what I'd done. I went back, but my baby hadn't left much clue. Then I got to thinking she's dating some too.
looked all around and I spotted the tire marks there on the ground. That's creased away and gone on a date, and from the tracks I knew it was a twin pipe eight. Without much to go on, I jumped on the wheel of my old drag wagon and I scratched in the peel. My twin pipe spelled a blue smoke trail, but I'd track down my baby if I had to make bait. Stopped at the drugstore to get me a smoke And my baby and the cat had been in for a coke And bebop the chicken to the jukebox tone And then took off for parts unknown Right then I'd say I was a little upshook I reached and grabbed up the telephone book I called record hops and my baby's friends Trying to see what the dollar planned But I found out just a little more than I knew My customized rod had a job to do I headed out and I was ready to go Carburetors, anything but slow Speed shifted to second and the high flew With the needle of reading 102 I slid up to the light and I made my stop Then I saw it in front of a record hall You have been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Sight. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to TMB. DOS.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.